All right, Seymour. I'm ready for our romantic apple-picking trip. Yes. Uh, about that, Mother's neck waddle got caught in a zipper. I've uh, got a long night of boo-boo kissing ahead of me. But don't worry, I got you these store-bought apples instead. The apples weren't the point. <laughs> then why were we going apple-picking? Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Finger Discount. This week we are here to review episode EABF02, an episode that Guy Davis says is not very good to me just off the air just then. I didn't mind it. It's special Edna. I'm Nando. Who are you? What? Who? Hello, stranger. How are you? Look, by the way, I am Guy. Nice to be here. And it's been a little while since Dando and I had a chat about all things Simpsons and everything else in life. Speaking of life, it's a lot right now. So, uh... Myself, speaking for myself, me, the lovely Louise, her wonderful children, we had to get out of town for a little while. Just, you know, there's only so long that you can look at the same four walls. For me, it's about 17 years. For Lou, a bit less than that. For her kids, even slightly less. So, we'd made plans to split, uh, head to the lovely uh, Grampians region. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that, but it's a lovely mountainous uh, part of uh, regional Victoria. We would plan to leave on the Monday. The Sunday before, we get hit with a lockdown, <laughs> so we had to split a day early. Made the holiday a tiny bit more stressful, but when we got there, everything was fine, except a couple of days in, there was an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> but by the way, listeners, when when the Premier of Victoria said, if you're from Geelong, do not leave Geelong today, the, the TV was on mute at Guy Davis's house. That's, that's, that's why he was able to escape. That he didn't great. know. He didn't know. That's right. I, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> so, uh, but we're back. Yes, Wait, we are back. Well, well so the, the listeners on the regular feed will have no idea what's going on. So basically what happened was we, uh, this episode usually is a week early for the patrons, but they are getting it almost the same time as the free feed because, like I said, Guy Davis went on a much-needed break, much-deserved break, I should say, and I just spent more time looking after the kids, which was fun as well. We went <laughs> and rode bikes, because so we didn't flee, so we were stuck in lockdown. So we got to ride bikes down the street. We got to look at trains from inside the car. It was a great time. Did you eat some KFC? <laughs> yes, I did eat some KFC. And I, you would have seen my little... So, by the way, listeners... <gasps> the hack. The hack, right. If you love yourself, a bargain, right? <laughs> Don't be waiting for no 10 for $10 tender deal at KFC, right? So, this isn't as cheap as that, but what you do is... There's this little thing called an add-a-side on the KFC app. And this might only be for Australia, I don't know. But... You, what, the only way to get a side as an addition is if you have a feast. So you add a feast to your uh, your checkout, to your cart. Then it will say an option of an add-on. You add the five tenders for $7 as opposed to the $10, right? And then you simply remove the feast from your checkout. Bang, five tenders for $7. Thank you very much. I'll take that. <laughs> We're probably not uh, adding video to this, but if you could see Dando's face, he's doing a delightfully devilish Seymour kind of uh, <laughs> kind of face there. So um, I was very I, proud of myself. We're, we're, so basically, at the checkout point, it was like process order, and it was like the the spinning wheel. And I was like, I'm expecting a, a thing saying, "You cannot go through with this, you naughty man." But no, it went through because what I did was I also added an, a separate add-on of two chips for five dollars. So that's how you get two chips. So you get instead of paying five dollars for a large for a large chips at KFC, you pay two fifty. Instead of paying ten dollars for five tenders, you pay seven dollars. So you save five dollars. Or is it is it five dollars? 
something like that. Five fifty every time you do it. It's worth it. Dando one, Colonel zero. <laughs> <laughs> enough about enough about KFC tenders. I know we they're one of the favourites here on the podcast. We're here to talk about special Edna. So you said that you didn't really like it. I actually I actually thoroughly enjoyed this episode. It had its moments, so you sort of rolled your eyes. But that's just season fourteen in a nutshell. I thought this was a nice Mrs. K story. I do enjoy the relationship. There's, there's a lot of humour to be had in the Skinner Krabappel relationship. But the only thing is that, so with with Skinner, right? He's constantly saying how his mother is, he's sick of his mother, she's bringing him down, blah, blah, blah. But then when it suits the story, they have him do whatever she wants him to do and he puts Mrs. K to the side, which is annoying. But I think the, the character of Mrs. K, the longer the show went on, the more relatable and as a fan, you just appreciated her more. I just, I, I, It was like every Simpsons fan just fell in love with Mrs. K and you really are rooting for her. You, you, you want... For me, I wanted the Skinner-Mrs. K relationship to work, but then there's a point in this episode where it kind of goes, you know what, Mrs. K, go be happy. Bart summed it up correctly. He's a wiener. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this man deserves a drawer full of boogers or whatever he was going to put it. Was it boogers? I think it was boogers. A, a, a desk full of boogers, yeah. A desk full of boogers. I may have blown one of your trivia questions, Dando. I no. apologise in advance. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Skinner... Does not deserve Edna Kay. I mean, you are 100% correct, Ando. Edna has just uh, taken up residence in many, many, many of our hearts over the uh, course of these 14 seasons. She hates her job. She has romantic difficulties. Uh, she likes a drink. What's not to love about this lady? So, um, yeah, she, <laughs> she deserves happiness. And uh, look, I, I, was, I was very pleased that she seem to have uh, grabbed it with both hands by the end of this episode but I'll tell you what getting there this felt like um this episode felt like a show bag it felt like and and not a good show bag like one of oh, those okay. like one of those Amcal chemist show bags <laughs> not a, not a birdie beetle show bag not a birdie beetle show bag but um yeah, your mum says we've got Bertie Beetles at home, um, and I've only got two dollars to spend on showbiz. You get the Ampel Chemist one, at which point you you rip it open, you've got Wait, like little the, tooth. The what one? This was when you'd go to the show, the Melbourne show or the Geelong show, yeah, yeah. any of those shows. Of course, they'd have the best show bags that had hmm, the world's know, greatest show bag. Yeah, a collection of lollies or little uh, garbage treats and hmm. um, all that, all that good stuff. But occasionally there'd be ones from places like, um, I don't know, National Mutual Insurance or the aforementioned oh, okay. Amcal Chemist. And it's like, you know, an actuarial <laughs> table or, um, you know, a little tub of ointment. And it's like, who wants this? Nobody wants this. And that's what this episode felt like to me. It was a bunch of bits and pieces. Good and bad or just bad to you? Some, some were okay. Look, I mean, when... Uh, I had to break out the little green highlighter and say, okay, well, did I like this, this, and this? And, well, I have indeed done one, two, three. I've got four lines here that have got green through them. So at least four things that I liked, and there were probably one or two others then that like, eh, I didn't mind that. But one of my notes here is, um, let's see. Okay, we're a third of the way episode, a third of the way through this episode, but they finally get to the plot. This World War One stuff is just dragging, and it's not very funny. It can't really make up its mind what it's about. I mean, is it about Edna and Skinner? Is it about Skinner trying to get Edna back? Is it about the Simpsons going to Epcot, not Epcot? None of these things really sort of fit that well together. So it just felt like a bunch of different elements that were kind of unwieldy, yeah, uh, unpleasantly 
slap together, together with a band-aid. Yes. Yeah, okay. It's a bit of a Frankenstein's monster of an or episode. Or Frankenstein. <laughs> or even a Frankenstein. Well played, mate. Well played. <laughs> and you know who the Dr. Frankenstein of this uh, particular episode is? A gentleman named Dennis Snee, who wrote this episode. I normally am... Look, if I identify as anything, uh, friends of the pod, it's as a writer. So... I don't like to disrespect writers, but Dennis Snee here, I don't think he did a very good job. This is only his uh, his sole credit uh, writing on The Simpsons, and quite okay. frankly, I don't think he did all that well with it. So Dennis Snee, in my opinion, as I was watching this thinking, it felt at certain times that this was someone who had just come into the writer's room and barely had any knowledge of what had came before, which seems to be a recurring thing at the moment lately, that... So we got the episode, The Principal and the Pauper, where Skinner is revealed to not be actually Principal Skinner. Mm. He's Armitan Zarian. There were people that will argue, you know, that it was just a standalone episode, don't be annoyed. But I'm not annoyed by the episode as a whole, right? But if you're going to have that and keep it as canon and reference it as canon, and they've come out and said that it is canon, right? Mm. If you're going to do that, then you can't have jokes like, I was in the womb for nine and a half months because I came out, went back in. She didn't carry you. Dang. It doesn't make sense. I, I, and I don't want to be a stickler for things like that, but it was such a monumental event when Skinner came out to not be Skinner. Yeah. You can't then go forward and have jokes that reference him being in the womb of Agnes. It does, yeah. and, and for the character to be speaking as if it was truth. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. If you're going to be really into continuity, you have to go all in. Otherwise, there are certain things that just ignore continuity and canon altogether. It's just like, okay, well, it's just a three-for-all. Take the X-Men comics. The continuity is all over the shop. And I think you can do that every once in a while with The Simpsons on minor points. But on an episode like that one you mentioned, and a character like that... A, a, a big character. Oh, he was the first character we ever saw, I think. Yeah. Like, we saw the family walking in, but we, you know, Skinner was in, he was one of the very first characters we ever saw. He played a big role in season one. He's one of the biggest characters in the series. Yeah. And so, that, like you said, that was a big shift for the character. And they tried to sort of bring it back whole with him, everyone saying, you know what, you are now legally mm. Principal Skinner, blah, blah, blah. That's fine. He can now be referred to as Principal Skinner, but he can't have knowledge of being carried by Agnes in the womb going forward. It just can't happen because it doesn't make any sense, like I said. Yeah. Uh, having said that, Agnes. Probably my favourite part of this episode, but then Agnes is generally my f- the favourite part of any episode that she's in for me. I just love her. She's so acidic. She's she's so uh, so snarky, so dreadful, and uh, she was a few of she was responsible for a few of my favourite moments in this particular episode. Do you think you've ever cuddled your mother and she thought he has the tiny hands of a chimp? God bless Margaret Mary. I don't think she'd actually say it to my face. She'd probably say it to my sisters. Well, well Agnes didn't say it to Skinner's face either. She thought it. <laughs> well, I imagine she's thought it. Hang on, I'm looking at my hands now. Mm. Yeah, they're a little Trumpian. They're a little, little, little short-fingered. <laughs> hey, my favourite. All right, Mr. Davis, you've mentioned that you weren't a huge fan of the episode, but did you have any favourite moments at all? Did I? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> And what were they? Yes. Um, yeah. As, as I mentioned, uh, a little bit of Edna. A little bit mm-hmm. of Edna in my life. Uh, things that I enjoyed. The triple locket 
you know, you normally have a little heart-shaped locket. Yeah. You're on one side, your beloved is on the other, except with this one, got a little third fold out with just Eddie going, <laughs> Very funny. cool reveal, yeah. Pretty funny. I did like that a lot. Um, I also just liked Edna screaming out from the audience, your feelings are ugly and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed, speaking of yelling out, so the award goes to a guy that actually makes a difference in the neighbourhood. What a rip, rip. You should all be ashamed. <laughs> That's one thing I also liked about this episode was it didn't go down the cliche route of, of Edna winning because she didn't deserve to win it. This guy clearly deserved to win it. Oh, yeah. He's an absolute <laughs> stand and deliver kind of guy. Yeah. So, yeah but props yes, to him. I, I just think uh, Homer's response, you should all be ashamed. <laughs> it's just so funny. I also love the, I think just beat the father coming out in me with grandpa saying, but I'm not tired. <laughs> I imagine that I, when I heard that, I'm like, I'm sure Dano's heard that. Yes, a lot of times. And <laughs> a the, lot. do you need a poop? Always. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can relate increasingly more and more. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia for Special Edna. You kick off, Mr. Davis. You're fresh. You've had your week off. Hit me. What do you got? Okay, then. In the wrestling ring, who was dropping sanctions, a.k.a. anvils? Uh, Colin Kapow. That's true. Mm. An extra point if you can name his uh, White House title. Uh, as in the on, the on the wrestling? Yes. It was Secretary of Hate. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what, do, what, what does he want? Does he want the real one or the fake one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into politics with you. No. Just give me the wrestling. I, I know that's where, you're, that's where you're a Viking. Yes. My first question is, what did the church sign say at the front before? But is that one of your questions? No, it's one oh. that I never know. Oh, I'm, okay. I, I, I really should be on the ball that he's like, Dando's going to ask a question about a sign. Look for signs. Dexter. Yes, I do like the signs. So the, the answer is, welcome pissed off Catholics. Oh. <laughs> AKA Catholics. <laughs> Your next question. Uh, how many pages of ads were in Bart's paper? Um, eight? Six. Fuck, it was six, wasn't it? Six? It, it was. Yeah, but you, you you came to your own rescue so quickly that I'm going to pay that. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> My next question is: How far from Springfield is Orlando? Oh, um, another sign one. <laughs> it was a sign. Wow, I've got a pattern forming here. I am going to say the following numbers: two, four, five, one. You got two of them right. It's like Price is Right. Okay, so, so all right. So two of those are correct. Okay, so are they, got the, are they in the, the right two, place? The two, two, the two and the five are in the right place. Uh, two, one, five, four. One more guess. That they need the second one needs to be higher, and the last one needs to be higher as well. Two, three, five, eight. Two, six, five, three. I was nowhere near it. Then the, commem- <laughs> the commiseration music plays with prices, right? Oh, you've been a great guest. I think you've had, I've had a great time, Larry. Thanks for having me. Bye. All right. Uh, your next, next question. Your final question. Oh, okay then. Um, what does Mother's Emergency page say? Oh, the fridge is too loud. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> fridge too loud. Fridge too loud. Got a question for me? My final question is, I whipped this, whipped this one up at the last minute because I realised I needed two. It's a very easy one. Who sponsored the ride that Marge and Lisa go on? Oh, Eastern Airlines. Yay, you got one. Yeah, I got one. Well played, sir. 
I don't completely suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is trivia for special Edna. We'll be right back after this short break with our full in-depth review. All right. Are you tired of listening to people talk about something and would just rather hear two losers talk about nothing? Well, look no further than Talking Seinfeld, our podcast discussing every episode of the number one show of the 90s. Talking Seinfeld is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of Special Edna was January 5th, 2003. Wow, 2003 now. We're getting getting ahead in time. Man, the world of tomorrow. I know, right? The episode was written by, as you said, Dennis Snee and directed by Bob Anderson. The couch gave the Simpsons are depicted as frozen food and cooked in a deep fryer. There was no chalk gag this week. I've noticed a lot this season there aren't many chalk gags. They seem to cut straight to the couch gag. Mm. Yeah, anyway. You think, the just, you think they'd just be getting lazy and bored by this point and just rather than just create filler, they'll just whack the intro in. Yeah. Anyway, so the episode kicks off with them in class, and Mrs. K says they've got to do a report on World War One. They've got a month to do so, or three weeks, I think it is. Uh, the kids are all dumb. They don't know which war that is, blah, blah, blah. Mrs. K, Milhouse does a dance, and she puts him out with the extinguisher. So what they're doing here is showing that she's got a bit of a fun side. She's just, I wouldn't say Mrs. K is cool, but she just seems like the most down-to-earth character on the show, one of the most down-to-earth characters where I feel like I would have a good time hanging out with Mrs. K. What do you think? I agree with you on this point, yeah. I mean, I don't think you'd want to get on her bad side. I think she could have a um, a long memory. <laughs> but I think she, I feel like she's just so broken that she wouldn't even act on it anymore. She'd just cop it on the chin. She's so used to being disappointed. She's just, she would just move on. It's almost like she's dead inside. So it's almost <laughs> like, it's almost like she would just be so thankful. To, as, as we see later on, she's just so thankful to just hang out with somebody and have some sort of attention. You, you, you feel somewhat sorry for her, but... As she's pointed out in the past, she makes these bad decisions. She is where she is because of her bad decision-making. But that still doesn't mean she's a bad person. She just makes bad decisions. She's of actually a, a lovely lady, and I feel like she'd be, be unreal to hang out with. I agree with you on this point. Look, anyone who turns a, um, a fire extinguisher on interpretive dance millhouse is okay by me. <laughs> <laughs> Martin then asks for a 10-page minimum, and he disappears. So I thought this gag here would have been better if they just ended it at Nelson saying, he's gone now. That's yeah. it. That's that's all. It did. Then he goes, but you got to admire his spirit. I'm like, yeah, like didn't need that. Just did, he's did, gone now. That, that's, that, that's all it needed. Yeah. yeah. Did that add anything to the no. uh, to the joke? Nope. Uh, special Edna. I don't believe it did. Uh, I'll <laughs> tell you something that I did think was a nice touch, though. What's that? The, the floating jocks. Yes, really good. I liked <laughs> it for sure. Uh, they then uh, she then arrives in Skinner's office. For the, this was really this is really good Skinner dialogue. So she's ready for the romantic apple picking trip. Uh, Skinner mentions how Agnes has got her neck waddle caught in a zipper, so it's a long night of boo-boo <laughs> kissing. But the, yeah, I, bought, I got some store-bought apples. apples. They weren't the point. Why are we going apple picking? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, if we're talking you know, crushes on uh, animated characters, mm-hmm. I've got to say, Edna Kay's apple picking get-up, pretty nice. Mrs. Kay's just pretty nice in general. I, I know she was in the early years she was depicted as the... I the dragon know, lady. The, 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 that's what, the, the dragon. Yeah, she was. She was uh, kind of mean, but she was almost like the like the, the easy slutty one. That she that she was always. I, 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 a scene that comes to my mind is when they have Aerosmith at Flaming Moe's, and she's like, "He's like, Mrs. K, I really need my drum kit or my drumsticks. Come <laughs> and get them." And she puts them down and shit. Like she was portrayed as the easy one in the early days. I feel like they've sort of strayed away from that because she's got the relationship with Skinner, obviously. 
But I think since that, since like the the episode Grade School Confidential, where she starts dating Skinner, they've pushed that sort of aspect of her of her life aside, and now we're just seeing the the she's more the, of a frustrated romantic now. Yeah, and she just wants some, she just wants to be treated well, and I think that's why I just really like the character. I just, think, I just yeah. really. I really enjoy Mrs. K these days. Because because you want to be treated well, Dan. No one who could blame you. Don't we all? Start <laughs> will you treat when are you gonna start treating me well, Mr. Davis? Man, I treat you like the king that you are. <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway, so yeah, so the the apple picking is off. This is where they're sort of setting up really early that the you know the story's gonna revolve something about Mrs. K being annoyed that Skinner is putting his mum ahead of her. Constantly disappointed by Seymour. Yeah, yes. I know you mentioned earlier they didn't get to the point quick enough. You knew what they were going for here, but oh, I, yeah. I will I will agree that the uh, the story of Bart trying to get his paper put together did drag on a little bit too long. Didn't really need to take that long to get to the point, but anyway. So Bart is now at home and he's trying to you know not get distracted to uh to so he can start doing his paper. But then he starts watching wrestling. This is me when I was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> wrestling, Uncle Slam, and a summer been rotten. Some pretty good character names there. They are good character names, but I don't. I feel like the the whoever wrote this episode, what was his name? Dennis Snee. Mm-hmm. His idea of what wrestling was was what wrestling was in like the eighties. <laughs> you know, Sergeant Slaughter and the Iron, the Iron, the Sheik. Iron Sheik. Yeah, just those kind of things. Where I think by this point, it sort of changed a bit now. But anyway, so yeah, we get the whole wrestling parody there, and then he goes to the library because you know he gets to get away from the TV. He can, otherwise, he can't focus. And then, well, they did have a gag here. Look at that bird. Seriously, this is what Elliot's like. You'd be talking to him and you'd just be like, son, clouds. And you're like, Elliot, focus. Look at me, mate. What are you now, doing? now, he's at the stage in life you can't tell if it's, uh, you know, incipient ADHD or just curiosity about the world. He's only been in the world for, what, two and a half years, Dando? Maybe three? How, how old is he? He turned three in July. Okay. Only been here for three years. That's, you know, there's still a lot to take in. I, I, I completely agree. But, but at the same time, yeah, it's like, hey. All eyes on me, kiddo. We we have sort of said like, is this a sign of anything? And the teachers, other oh, teachers, the um the professional is like, look, he's too young to diagnose anything. He's too young to know anything. He's just three. Let him be fucking three. <laughs> Let's worry about that other stuff later on. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were about to say he's too young to die. It's like, <laughs> what, like John McClane? <laughs> it sounds like a new <laughs> Die Hard sequel. <laughs> too young to diagnose. Diagnose hard. Oh God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm riffing like Robin Williams, and we'll get to that bit a bit later too. Oh, yes, of course we will, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Bart then overhears the guy with the Xerox machine. Damn it! Why did I pay for a hundred Xeroxes when I only wanted one? Well, I guess someone else will use the other 99. Oh, prank or study? Prank or study? <laughs> What should I do, Lord? Give me a sign. <laughs> I, for one, have never photocopied my butt, Dando. Have no, you? It's one of the, no, see, it's one of those things where you see it a lot in movies and TV. Mm. It's like the, the, I think in the 90s, growing up a lot, it just seemed to be like the, the cliche prank. Photocopying yeah. your ass and distributing the photos as such. I don't think I've ever known someone who's done it or even had the opportunity to do so. Like, I, don't, I don't think I would want to sit on there and do it. I, just, it, I don't think it'd be good for your parts, your pieces. No. I, see, I get nervous when 
my phone is like near my crotch area. I'm like, oh, the rays. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't think sitting on there, <laughs> oh, the rays, the rays. I just don't think it would be an enjoyable experience. Who wants? To, I wouldn't want to see my ass. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but you'd like a lot of other people to see your ass. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. This is just this felt very nineties. This gag. It, it, no, who photocopies anymore? Do people still photocopy? I work in an office and we never photocopy. You just you just print. <laughs> yeah. Scan occasionally, but you, you just you never photocopy. Very rarely, anyway. So Bart has done it, and he distributes them in the the prayer books at church. Uh, and we do we actually do get to see it, don't we? We do. Bare ass, shapely little uh, cheeks. Yeah, I don't think we are allowed to get that anymore. I don't think Bart's bare ass is allowed anymore. Uh, maybe it's just in the UK that, that they don't allow Bart's behind or any character in The Simpsons to be uh, shown on The Simpsons anymore. Really? Okay. Then. It, f- it feels weird. It's just animated. Well, but At least at least they haven't uh, edited out of previous episodes. Because the the, uh, the usual Flanders kids getting, uh, would you say, mistreated by Flanders? By Ned? Oh, tough love, <laughs> if you're going to call it anything. But, you know, well, the burning is love. Burning is I- love, yep. From the eye soap. <laughs> it's now the 15th. We're halfway through the month. But is, uh, I, I didn't really... Get what they're going for here. Distracted by algebra. Yeah, I mean, is this assignment meant to be so boring that uh, even algebra seems like a uh, yeah, like a worthwhile distraction? Does Bart have a secret mathematician streak? Is he goodwill hunting? Who knows? But uh, not the most effective gag. I would no. uh, I would uh, suggest. Milhouse then arrives with his uncle in the Black Hawk helicopter. He says this is your last chance because he's going to probably get court martialed. <laughs> <laughs> Bart realizes that he's got nothing done and it's now the due date so he asks Grandpa quickly tell us some stuff about World War One. the joke being here that Grandpa couldn't have been at World War One, but then we get you know I had to lie about my age he's actually mm-hmm. a baby this seemed very stupid and silly but I still got a laugh out of it just being a dad <laughs> of course but I'm not tired <laughs> god it must be so frustrating Bart still gets an F, and he's told he has to stay out the class and do it properly. Uh, I thought the I'm going to dust off the old chestnut. I can rumba, I can rumba indeed. So another, again, this is why I feel like the, the writer. I'm sorry, Dennis. I feel like he had an idea of what the Simpsons were when it first started. Didn't pay any attention to the show. Then was offered the chance to write an episode and was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I can rumba." I can rumba, you know, eat my shorts, that kind of stuff. Yeah, let's just throw that in there. Mm. I could be completely wrong, but that's just that's the vibe I got anyway. Yeah. By the way, a nice little visual gag when uh, Bart gets the F and uh, Edna flicks through his, his paper that's got six pages worth of ads. The one ad that we do get a good look at is for Moe's mm-hmm. with um, just a big smile and say, yeah, we check IDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Mo. <laughs> So then Skinner walks in afterwards because Bart's done finished his job. He calls Mrs. K Pat Dorber. Who's that? He calls her Pam Dorber. Pam, sorry, Pam. I've got Pam. I've got, I've got Pam here. I don't know why I said Pat. Pam. And I'm, I am guessing that uh, Dennis Snee might have been a bit of a Mork and Mindy fan because uh, we get a bit of a Robin Williams shout out a little later on. And Pam Dorber played Mindy. See, everything here, it all feels dated, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm reminded of something. I, I was listening to this thing with Kevin Smith the other day. I wasn't with Kevin Smith. You know, we weren't sitting next to each other holding hands and listening to something. I but was it makes you feel like him. you are. 
It sort of felt that way. And I hope, listeners, that you feel that way when we're talking to you, that we're reaching out with our meaty paws and holding you tight. Stubby fingers. Stubby fingers. <laughs> we, had Kevin Smith, we had Kevin Smith on the show once. Did you? Yeah. He said, you're listening to Four Finger Disc and I'm Kevin Smith. He loved it. What a dude. Hmm. What a lord. Mitch went to one of his um one of his talks at the uh the palais. We probably and went to the same one because I was there. Yeah, and Mitch hung around afterwards at the back car park and he said, Can you do a little promo for my podcast? And he just fucking did it. <laughs> Good on you, Kevin Smith. <laughs> um he was talking about how when he made cop out with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan and uh he had a notoriously bad experience with Bruce Willis on the film, but uh Did he really? Yeah, oh, Google Kevin Smith, Bruce Willis, cop out, and it's basically Kevin Smith just talking shit about Bruce Willis. Wow. Um, But uh, you were saying, okay, look, this is a fairly tightly written script. We're not going to have a lot of improvisation, Mm -hmm. even though Tracy Morgan's really, really good at it. But, you know, if you you guys want to do it, you know, we'll give you little bits and pieces here and there. You can't give Tracy Morgan a script. He just says outlandish shit. Just let him keep going. Yes, indeed. So Bruce is doing a little bit of his improv, and Kevin Smith quickly quickly realizes Bruce's references stop about the time he became famous because then he became pop culture. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's why he couldn't really improv as well as Tracy Morgan. So, and that's kind of what this feels like. It's like there's a lot of references to stuff that younger yeah. viewers have no idea what's going on. I don't think even me being what when it's first aired, 2003. Oh, I guess I would have been nearly 15 by this point, so maybe I yeah. would have. But most younger viewers would be like, what the fuck? Is this yeah. dead, dead pole? What? Now, have, having said that, it is Seymour Skinner saying this, so it's it's faithful. You know, it's something that he would probably say. You know, he, he's probably like, oh, you look like that, uh, That's true. Yeah. that cute TV star from that time when we were watching TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. but at no, the same I, time. I, I, can, I can buy that, yeah, but still, when it's... Just thrown into the list of everything else that feels like it's 80s, early 90s references. Mm. I mean, what was Dead Poet? 91? 90? Dead Poet was 89? 89, yeah, yeah. So, oh, early 90s for sure. Oh, I must have the wrong classroom. I was looking for my girlfriend, not Pam Dauber. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready for a little after-school special? Eyes front, Simpson. Hello, mother. I'll be right there. Now she wants to get out of the tub. You've got to stop putting your mother ahead of me. We have a date. I'll be back in three hours. Maybe less. But almost certainly more. I did also like the acting here from, from Harry of the maybe. almost certainly more. Yeah, <laughs> I love maybe less, yeah. but almost certainly more. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Harry. But then says, you know, Mrs. K, he's a wiener. What are you doing with him? Like, even he can see, like, Mrs. K, you deserve, you deserve better than this guy. I know I treat you like shit, but, you know, you deserve something. I always enjoy it when Bart forms these equal relationships with the authority figures in his life. So do I, yeah. I, I liked it when he did it with Skinner, and I like it when he does it with Edna. I don't know. I, it sort of gives you the feeling that when he grows up, he'll be, he's going he's gonna to turn out fine. You know, he's a bit of a wayward youth at the moment. You know, he's a he's a prankish bad boy and all that kind of stuff. But I think when, you know, he hits maturity, he'll just be a solid dude. He's like Mrs. K. He's a good kid, just makes bad decisions. Exactly. They have a lot in common, Bart and Mrs. K. <laughs> <laughs> but he says, you know, let me, let me take you out if he's not going to take you out. But before that, though... He says, like, what are you doing with this guy? And she goes, well, there's, there's, who else am I going to go out with? Yeah. I like they at least acknowledge that because as you said earlier, and as we were discussing, 
Why is she wasting her time with Skinner? He is a weenie. But who else is she going to go with? And one of the people in that little montage uh, with Hot Chocolate's uh, mm. You Sexy Thing playing was George Meyer, uh, George Meyer. Was that the bucket hat and the long hair? Yes, yeah. You can yeah. tell he's not one of the usual characters. Yes, one of the uh, writers and show- uh, not, I think it was a showman. I think it was one of the producers maybe or directors. Have they used him as a character before though? Was he one yes. of the- Yeah, Itchy he's and one Scratchy of the- and Poochie. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was the, um, he was the one that gets fired. From the widest gully to the deepest trench, holds define who we are and where we are going. And although Rover here may not know it, he is participating in a ritual as old as time itself. He is giving birth to a hold, or considers a dolphin, nature's most filmed creature. Even they have holes, blow holes. I got a kick out of Wolfcastle discussing <laughs> holes. Well, particularly. Rover here is engaged in a ritual as old as time or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Mrs. K then thanks Bart for, for coming to um to the movie with her, giving her some time to take her mind off of uh, the weenie that is Principal Skinner. And then she checks out the little locket, as you said, it's got Agnes in it. A, a funny little <laughs> visual there. We're now over breakfast. I noticed in this shot, and it dawned on me, how often do we cut to breakfast time at the Simpsons' house? And Bart, Maggie, Lisa, and Homer are all eating, and Marge is either doing the dishes or getting some more food ready. Mm. She's very rarely sitting down with the family, eating breakfast with them. Yeah. I thought, it never it's, dawned on me like that, but it should, that shouldn't be the way. It's perpetuating negative stereotypes. Yeah, but it was just almost just how things were ex- accepted as, mm. I guess. Even in 2003, it, just, it never dawned on me like, oh yeah, Marge is always doing things for the family. It was just that visual just caught me off, just caught my attention. But I like to part here, you know Hole's biggest enemy is the pile? (laughs) (laughs) Lisa then makes fun of Bart. So she makes a reference here. So what happened to the Bart Simpson who put mothballs in the beef stew? Do you know what that is referencing? I believe that might be a lyric from Do the Bart Man. Mm. So tell me your recollection of Do the Bart Man. I was far too young to have any memory of it when it first came out. No, I just know there was a novelty album called Do the Bart Man. There was a the song oh, Do the Bart Man. Well, just, yes. just, just one song. It wasn't an album. Okay. Then. Well, there was they, they, they did an album called Simpsons Sing the Blues, which had a song called... Um, uh, deep, 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 deep trouble. Water, deep, deep trouble. That's one. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I was never a fan of any of those. I did not like Do the Bartman. I did not like Deep, Deep Trouble. Um, when did, when Do the Bartman came out? Did it kind that, of feel like, even though The Simpsons had only been going for like a season or two, was this was that almost like a jump the shark moment for people who were just like, ah, oh, fuck off with this kid? It, a little bit. I mean, I think even at that stage, the show was starting to steer in a different direction. It's like. Well, it's only like season one or two, though. Yeah, I think people like Homer. <laughs> yeah, I think it was about season three, four, when the show really sort of became Homer-centric. When yeah. Al Jean and Mike Reese took over, because they were like, well, we wrote what we knew. Yeah, but for a while, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing, you know, T-shirts saying, don't have a cow, man, or I caramba. Mm-hmm. Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts, thing, yeah. do the, the barb man was being played a lot, and... Look, it was fine, the- but it was, it was, I think it was reinforcing the notion, or creating the impression uh, this show's for kids it's about you know it's about the spunky little kid who's all who's always you know uh getting one over on the authority figures and you know frustrating his dumb dad and all that kind of shit a latter-day dennis the menace if you will um and that wasn't necessarily bad i mean the show had a, a great energy and a great vibe that uh i think a lot of people responded to 
But for mine, certainly, I mean, the show became better uh, when it became a little more family-focused and maybe a little bit more on Homer. I think it just became more relatable and real when it, it was no longer just this naughty kid doing naughty kid shit and it yeah. was a more like about a father and son or... Yeah, when, when Homer became... And it was done so well that you didn't even notice. And I think kids watching at home didn't notice either because they watched it for Bart and all of a sudden they were watching it for Homer. Yeah. Yeah, without the realizing. Sim- yeah, the Simpsons became a family sitcom co- so gradually I didn't even notice. <laughs> but they do take the piss out of themselves in that aspect in Trias of Horror Two, I think it is, with the monkey paw, and Bart says, "I want to be like rich and famous, or what? What if we're rich and famous, or oh, whatever?" Yeah. And um, and yeah, like you see the Simpsons all over T-shirts and the songs coming out and stuff like that. Man, it's getting out of hand. Like, and everyone yeah. hates the Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> well, even you know, say the line, Bart. Yep. So Homer's also got the award here for World's Greatest Dad. I liked, the, I liked this up until the gummy fish. So it was a good gag. You know, Homer bought his own, um, his own World's Greatest Dad mug. <laughs> Very Homer. Then they had to go that one step too far with the, and I used it to catch gummy fish. Yes. And then he's got a gummy fish on the wall. And I'm like, what? Why? What? I would, I would have been fine if it had ended at gummy fish. I'd actually got a laugh out of Lisa saying gummy fish. You know, okay. Yeah, you, it's full of gummy worms. Yeah, and you use those gummy worms to catch gummy fish. It's like... In your head, you're thinking Homer tried to catch gummy fish, but that aren't real. That's the joke. That's funny. Yeah. But then to show a gummy fish on the wall and Homer taking a bite out of it, I was like, yeah, just, yeah, had to. Like the Nelson line, you just had to go that one joke too far Mm. and fucking blow it. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we have uh, Lisa suggesting to Bart that maybe you should nominate her to be Teacher of the Year. Um, You know, and Bart's like, what, the Teacher of the Year award? And we get to dig at the Latin Grammys. They love taking the piss out of the Grammys on The Simpsons. They do. And. It felt very out of place here. It felt out of place. And also getting Marge to do this kind of thing. I think this might be the second episode in a row where they've got Marge to say, I don't like it when they have characters saying jokes that A, have nothing to do with the story and uh, sort of like referencing something to do that, you know, the writers just want to get a dig at it something. Yeah. So for example, and then they have the character smile at the camera. It's like, what? There's a, There's... A couple of examples uh, of that in this episode, and we will get to it shortly. Okay. Uh, and, oh, am I going to let loose? <laughs> Simpson no. Safari loose, or? No, no, not really. But <laughs> <laughs> We're now at the Teacher of the Year Foundation, and the substitute Teacher of the Year Foundation building is just burning to the ground. Yeah. They're watching various tapes. This is where we get the Dead Poet Society uh, gag, so elaborate. Well, they've got a, uh, a videotape entry from a teacher who says, I use humour to uh, engage with my students, at which point the, the judge's like, oh, God, this is always death. Um, but then they actually show this guy in front, of his, uh, in front of his class basically doing Robin Williams in Dead Poets Society where Robin Williams is teaching his uh, young charges about um, poetry or whatever, putting on various voices, impersonating Richard Burton, John Wayne, all this kind of thing, through few non sequiturs. And honestly, look, I love the movie Dead Poet Society and I actually think it would probably be better if all involved had said to Robin Williams, yeah, okay, we'll keep a little bit as... To that movie's credit, I think it probably had just the right amount of Robin Williams riffing in it because it's coming not exactly hot on the heels of Good Morning Vietnam, but it's pretty much very soon after that and Good Morning Vietnam is just all Robin all the time you don't really remember much about the plot but do you do remember 
Robin just on the mic. Good morning, Vietnam. Here's a wacky voice. Here's a non sequitur. Here's a pop culture reference. Da, 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 da. And it was huge. It was the biggest, biggest thing. It was like, oh, this is why people like Robin Williams. And, you know, he'd been in movies for a while up before that, but this really made him a star. Yeah. Uh, putting him in Dead Poets Society, it's like, look, he can act. He does some of his finest straight acting, dramatic acting in his career in Dead Poets Society, but it's also got a few minutes where it's where it's like, all right, camera's rolling, do your thing, you know, and uh, and they kept it in. In the overall scheme of things in Dead Poets Society, it does feel a bit, oh, this is the stuff that has, not that it hasn't aged well, but just feels like a bit of an uncomfortable fit, for mine at least. In what way? Look, it's generally a pretty serious movie. I mean, not not you know, sort of deadly serious. Although it does have aspects like it's just that. Suicide. In it. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does. <laughs> but it's it's not really a comedy, and it's not really a Robin Williams comedy. So to have some trademark Robin Williams comedy in it just doesn't quite sit right with me for mine. So you just think he wasn't suited for the role? I think he was very well suited for the role because you know. He's Robin Williams, an actor, I mean, but he's also Robin Williams, a stand-up comedian. I don't think those two necessarily co-align all that well all the time. I use humour to reach my students. Ah. Dead Poet Society has destroyed a generation of educators. <laughs> and so President Kennedy says to Khrushchev, Well enough, John, reach for it, Pilgrim. And the missiles are like, Oh, praise Jesus! Can I hear an amen? Hey, Macarena! <laughs> Next. So now it's time for them to get to Mrs. K's uh, video. And basically, Mrs. K gets through because they realise that this is the Bart Simpson. You know, she, <laughs> the she devil in the, the blue, devil shorts. blue shorts. Yeah, That's yeah. a good line. <laughs> so basically, Bart is like an urban legend. I've read a couple of reviews, um, as I do on these episodes before we, um, before we do ours, and they really hated the fact that Mrs. K was nominated purely because uh, Bart oh, was her student. Yeah. They think, oh, how would they possibly know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... That's what. That's the hill you're dying on here. Like, yeah. come on. Like, that's that's the least. That's the least of the, this episode's worries. <laughs> Mrs. K is then walking in on Wednesday. This is a really uh, bleak line. Like, I I hope a kid puts a tack on my chair just so I can feel it's something. something. I was like, oh. Just at times they like they have Mrs. K. She doesn't like her job, but then I felt like that line just went that line like mm. it went a little bit too far. I was like, wow, it's almost like she hates her life now as opposed to just. Oh, do I have to do this job again? As opposed to, I don't want to wake up in the morning. Yeah. Just, she felt like suicidal at that point. Yeah, it was and pretty She walks rough. in and she's got the nomination party and she's all happy. She starts crying because she's been nominated. Nelson makes fun of her and then he starts crying <laughs> and gives the guy the wedgie because he's been nominated for Bully of the Year. <laughs> oh, by the way, um, have they mentioned the R-rated version of Romeo and Juliet yet? No, they're just about to. So it's at the press oh. conference and she says that R-rated <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, she thought the nipple would haunt her forever. So I'm assuming they mean the 1968 version, right? That is correct, starring the lovely Olivia Hussey mm. as um, as Juliet. I remember seeing that when I was about 16 or so at school. And yes, they kept that bit in and you you heard like this intake of breath. <laughs> from <the gasps> <laughs> A quiet hush for Guy David, for, for Olivia Hussey. Oh, indeed. Oh, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> what? Well, She's a bit cute. I mean, all, all these—I'm I'm sure all these dudes are thinking, "Wow, Julia's pretty hot." Wait a minute, 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember at school, uh, we never actually got to see any movie with nudity in it. But even like, for example, a movie that had swearing in it, you're like, oh my. And the teacher's not doing anything. I'm a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I can swear at the teacher now. <laughs> exactly right. Hey, bitch. <laughs> hey, what's up with this fucking glass? Yeah. <laughs> We're now got the uh, reporters asking Mrs. K questions. Cletus is one of them. I can't remember what the um what the hillbilly newspaper is called or whatever. Outhouse Express or something. Is that like what it that? is? Okay. I did like the gag here of Skinner thinking that Mrs. K was going to talk about him and he just keeps walking <laughs> off stage. That's always funny when that happens. But she's actually talking about how she couldn't uh, have done this without Bart. And Bart says, you know, I can't put anything to words here. I can't, I can't think of the words. So I drew this picture. I was like, these stink lines like dedication or whatever. I, I like that. Very Bart. Um, yeah. Someone asked, I think it's Cletus says, are you going to leave forever if you, if you win this? And Skinner goes, oh, wait a minute, leave forever. I better mm. interfere and talk her up so she wants to stay. Of course, as he's about to do so, Agnes calls once again, or she pages, the fridge is too loud, yeah. and he leaves. <laughs> he really is not a good boyfriend. No, but he's a good mama's boy. He is a good mama's boy, but uh, that's not what Mrs. K is looking for. No. Bart then says, uh, this was just the writer's way of getting the family to Orlando. Because I nominated, the whole family gets to come. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Cool story. <laughs> Just the easy out. They then list all the various theme parks in Orlando. Leisure World. What the hell is Leisure World? Is that, a is that an actual thing? Let's Google it. Leisure World, Orlando. Let's have a look. Get your Google on, Dando. I say leisure. Do you say leisure or leisure? I've never said leisure in my life. Well, you just did then. Yeah, well, I regret it now. <laughs> so I'm Googling Leisure World, Orlando. Let's see what comes up. See, leisure World, say nothing but to leisure, world. leisure World, Arizona. Uh, leisure World, Arizona is a Leisure World in California and a Leisure World in Maryland. Hmm. Uh, that's not it. Wouldn't be it. It's a gated retirement community in Orange County, California. And in uh, Arizona, it is a gated 55 plus adult age restricted community. So Leisure World sounds like it's a theme park for old people, as in a place to go and die. <laughs> it makes it sound kind of sexy. <laughs> Leisure World Leisure so, World 50, Age 55 and old You must be this old To enter <laughs> Homer then realised That they're actually Talking about Epcot Now we went to America In 2016 For our honeymoon mm-hmm. And we had the chance To go to Epcot And we didn't And I kind of regret it now Because I wish I just Because people have told me It's good It just, it just we, were, we were told at the time If you want to go And have a lot of fun Don't go to Epcot Go to one of the other places But if you just want to go And just have a a learned experience and like you know and yeah. still have fun but learn a few things at the same time it's still, it's still fun but it's just not a thing park I'm um, going to Epcot and I was like Muppet 3D Vision or Epcot yeah. Muppet 3D Vision <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling Epcot would be fun for nerds and I think it would be fun for everyone if you're just if you're in the mood for it well yeah I don't mean that in a bad way for nerds I mean it's like, I get to have fun and learn something too you know Database would love it. One hundred percent would. But um, but have you ever been to Epcot? Never went to Epcot. No, okay. we did. We did go to Disney World. See, it's Florida. it's the one that everyone just seems to not go to. Yeah, it's like mm, next time, next time. <laughs> yeah, Mrs. K. Uh, you know, she's. I like this. This is very. It's, it's a nice Mrs. K. Line. It's also very sad. You know, this is just so exciting. I'm meeting my peers. But she just <laughs> has no life. She doesn't. Does does she have friends, Mrs. K? Do we ever really see her with friends? The only time we ever see her with friends, I think, is in the episode where Marge has got the other uh, pretzel wagon because she's with the mm. investorettes. 
Oh, that's but besides right. that, I don't think you really see with many friends. So it was nice to see Mrs. K finally getting out appreciated anyway. Marge and Lisa then go on the world of they go to the world of tomorrow. Is it the World of Tomorrow Ride or whatever it is? I don't know. It's, it's the one sponsored by Eastern Airlines, Airlines anyway. Yes, where Eastern Airlines has basically taken over the world. Yeah. Marge is oblivious. Nice and cool in here, don't you think? <laughs> Bart and Homer are then on the electric car. So this is the... Hey. This is the... Uh, what's age the waste? <laughs> <laughs> so For, but in, 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 it's like a one-two punch because, you know... People are driving electric cars these days, and quite frankly, we all can't. We all should, if if and when we can afford it. Um, and also, egregious gay stereotyping. But one of us, one of us, I was like, "Whoa, okay, hey, <laughs> yeah, hey, two thousand three, how you doing?" <laughs> Welcome to the electric car of the future, sponsored by the gasoline producers of America. I'm an electric car. I can't go very fast or very far. And if you drive me, people will think you're gay. One of us. One of us. You worked at my work. You know a certain A Walker, right? I do. This electric car voice is his voice. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys. Oh, boy. It really oh. is his voice. Oh. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Ham boning. Yeah. <laughs> Did oh. I do that? <laughs> oh, you're making me miss uh, one A Walker. <laughs> I'm an electric car. So Skinner is reading the article about Edna and how she could possibly leave if she wins. He asked Willie for some advice on women. Apparently, Willie has a fucking awesome car. He does indeed. Seven style. He does indeed. By the way... Uh, on that uh, newspaper, mm. uh, <laughs> along with the stuff about Endicaropol, <laughs> a nice little article about comic book guy not being open to open a pistachio. Close pistachio, stymies fatso. <laughs> <laughs> We're now uh, at the restaurant, which we see again at the end of the episode. And Marge is reading through all the different international foods, la pizza, de hamburger, senor grilled cheese. Just, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's what it's like at the um, theme parks. It's all, hey, check out this crazy food. It's like, no, you've just whacked a stupid name at the start of it. <laughs> hey, check out this crusty burger. It's like, this is no different burger from the fucking penguin yeah. restaurant from down the road. I know there's this restaurant at um, Movie World in Australia, and it's themed like the Penguin's Palace or something. Yeah, and I, I reckon I had the fucking worst burger of my life at that place. Oh, no. It was just the worst. It's just like the the penguin burger or whatever. And I was like, that looks legit. It's it's gonna be good. It's fucking it's a Batman restaurant. It can't it can't fail. Yeah. I was a kid and I was like, this is gonna be great. And I got it and I was like, Batman, I trusted you. Like, <laughs> what, what is this shit? <laughs> at which point the Joker sort of leaps out. <laughs> <laughs> you ordered the Penguin Burger. <laughs> or the Riddler. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. <laughs> also, Homer and Bart here have the um uh the return from the How I Squared a Goo on an audience just to play on I guess Nickelodeon's. Yes. Yeah. What's it called? Slime. Slime. Yeah, whatever it is. Marge and Homer then doing the fireworks, and Edna sees them having a good time. She's disappointed. She wishes she had that kind of relationship. Skinner then arrives, and, you know, report to the principal's arms. But unfortunately, he's come all this way, and he's, he's made it out like, you know, I've come this mm. way for you. He's actually brought Agnes, or she brought him, as he said. Mrs. Kazen, she's had enough. She's, I'm sick of it. And this is where we get the line about the carried me for nine and a half months. And I was like, this doesn't work, buddy. 
Doesn't work in my book. No, no, that, no, 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 no. Didn't carry her, I'm afraid. Sorry, sir. Yeah. As the kids say today, or maybe they did two years ago, that ain't it, Chief. Homer then invites uh, Skinner, or Skinner, or, yes, he invites Skinner to the, the greatest moments of Mr. Eisner. Yeah, so that's a, a, obviously a take on Eisner from mm-hmm. Disney, who I think was gone by this point. Was he gone? Michael Eisner, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, may, maybe not, but but he did a lot of good for Disney. Oh, God, yeah. I think I've like, said in the past, the, the Disney turnaround in the, that was uh, Eisner. In the late 80s, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, whether it's, the introduction of the the the, uh, the Touchstone imprint, which sort of did those uh, middle of the road adult, quote unquote adult comedies, and especially the animation thing in the uh, late eighties and, and and into the nineties, it is one of the greatest one eighties. It's it's, <laughs> and it basically laid the foundation for what Disney is today. There's a great documentary on Disney Plus just detailing the whole thing about how they'll make them like sh- movies like The Sword and the Stone and things like that. They were just mm. bombing. And then finally, fucking, they just, Isaac came on board and he was like, hey, let's do The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. And suddenly yeah. they get nominated for fucking Best Picture at the Oscars and stuff, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. But then they go on the the Enron ride of Broken Dreams. So I don't get this reference, but I looked it up, obviously. Yeah. Enron was, um, well, a company that was mm. just uh, yeah poorly managed and uh, had a lot of corporate malfeasance and all that kind of shit. Uh, kind of but- like the, the pyramid scheme of Geelong. Remember that? No, oh, do I ever? Yeah, God. With <laughs> I don't know if I'm telling tales. Oh, fuck! It was thirty years ago. We lost our house because of it. As in the the Davis family or you? The da- no, the Davis family. No shit. Bobby yeah. lost his house. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> so you would have been how old at the time? I was about. I was in my twenties, in my early twenties. Wow, we. So what happened? So do you no, even no. want to talk about it? Oh well, I mean, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. And I just yeah. knew that we. So, had what your dad is invested in them or something? What, what actually was the pyramid scheme? Like, what was it? Oh, pyramid building society was like a um, an alternative to a bank. Yep. And we basically invested in this uh, in this house through it. Uh, you know, we lived in the house that I grew up in, but we bought this other house that was a lot bigger. Uh, and I think you know we sort of had plans to renovate and all this kind of business. And we were just overextended and didn't ext- didn't expect Pyramid to go bust the way it did and uh, we got foreclosed on. That was that. Holy shit. Yeah, it was I don't pre- know that. It was pretty nasty. I mean, yeah, oh, well, it, you know, it happened and, you know, we were able to... Dad, to his credit, was, was worked hard and we, we had a few other things that we could sort of... Uh, a few other assets and things like that. But it, it, we took a hit. Did your dad used to own the motel just around the corner here? He built so, it. He built Parkwood Motel, right? That is correct. Yeah, that's. that's I, don't, I don't think it was you that told me. Someone else told me that Bobby Davis like owned that or something. So did he own it or just built it? He built it and owned it. Built it and owned it. That's yeah. awesome. So we still had that, which yeah. was nice. So, um, and that's and we rebuilt the Davis Empire from that. I feel like that would have been the perfect job for you as like a, a twenty-year-old or whatever, just. Walking around in your dressing gown, your moccasins, just collecting the money, collecting the rent. <laughs> I think I was more like, uh, okay, that's uh, $50 for the room and I'll take uh, $20 for myself. <laughs> We're closing early tonight and I'm going to go out clubbing. That sounds like a good time to me. Anyway, an insight into the life of the Davises. Indeed. Uh, but I mentioned earlier about there was a bit that I didn't really enjoy about this episode and mm-hmm. it was the closeout of this particular scene. You didn't like where the good satire thing. Okay. I, 
you know how I feel. I'm normally a big fan of that's yeah. good such and such, but Surprise. I am not a fan of acknowledging that your own jokes have not worked. There's only maybe three people in the world who can do it well on the regular. Letterman is one of them. This episode is not one of them. This feels like, okay, yeah, we know this joke sucked and uh, we're going to do a bit of a snarky, mm, yeah, that was good satire, wasn't it, kids? It's like... Or do you think they thought it was genuinely good? I, I think they thought it was a shit joke. Okay. I, I, think they, I think they knew it was a bad and obvious gag and they are just... Mm, but it was satirical, wasn't it? We're calling out Enron. Like, you suck, Dennis Snee. <laughs> He's no longer anything bad about Dennis Snee. You suck, Dennis. <laughs> He's no you longer with shit. us. De- Dennis <laughs> passed away in 2007. Oh, I'm sorry, Dennis. Well, how old was Dennis then? Rest he, obviously, uh, he, he would have been in his 60s or something, I think, when he... How do you know all this? Because he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. I looked him up. I looked him up on IMDb. Oh, okay. So uh, maybe he was... And that would make that would explain the older dated references. He had a lot of other sort of sitcoms and variety things on his um, on his resume. Well, you don't just get given a, a, a gig on The Simpsons off the street. No, well, no, it, no maybe no. now, but not in two thousand and three. But yeah, if anyone from Dennis Snee's family is listening, none of what we've said we mean. <laughs> like, I don't actually think Dennis is a piece of shit. I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But my apologies to the to the memory of Dennis Snee and the existing uh, Snee descendants. Yes, he got. Hey, he wrote one episode of The Simpsons, which is more than either of us have ever achieved. So, <laughs> well, well, me anyway. You, 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 you. I've written three unproduced. <laughs> They're in my drawer. I've written three rejected. <laughs> we come back, and Skinner is asleep in the bed of tomorrow. Uh, he said he'd been wandering around the park all night. And, you know, the, the park is educational and offered mild thrills, just like Edna. Now, before the show, you'll need to take urine tests to prove you're not taking teaching-enhancing drugs. <laughs> you can't test what's not there! <laughs> we then get the announcement that the winner will have enough money to never have to teach again, which I liked, the fact that they're being nominated for Teacher of the Year, but they're thrilled at the fact they won't have to do it ever again. <laughs> yeah. Skinner overhears this and thinks, I've got to, you know, I've got to... Make her broken, miserable, and mine. I've got a uh, Skinner comes across really poorly in the last act of this episode. I was about to say sabotaging Mrs. K's award chances. We get, we, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, I've written down in caps that sucks. Mm, yeah, not good at all. And he gets Bart to do all of this, and then like three seconds into Bart doing it, he's like, "Oh, what have I done? I can't do this." And I'm like, "Why'd you do it in the first place, then, buddy?" Yeah, I mean, I'm all for a bit of a. I'm acting out, I've acted out of desperation. Oh, and now I realise I've acted wrongly and I'm going to do a face turn. I did a heel turn, now I'm going to do a face turn. I've been mm. watching heels. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched the, the first 10 minutes of the first episode. Unreal. Such a good show. I'm a few episodes behind, so I'm, I, I can like binge them. I'm looking forward to it. Stephen Armel <laughs> was on AEW last week. Oh, was he? Yeah. He loves I, his wrestling. I love him. I think he's really good in this. And, um, I mean, not just looks the part, but yeah, the character's really, really good and he's a good actor. And I like the guy playing his brother as well. Well, he, he genuinely loves pro wrestling, which is why he's the perfect guy for the job. You know, he's a good-looking dude, he's in shape, but he knows, he just knows how to play the role because he knows yeah. what that kind of person is like. Yeah. yeah. Really good you, stuff. I, you, I, I recommend Heels as well. Even though I've only seen 10 minutes of it, highly recommended. There you go. It's got the, uh, got the double dose 
uh, from uh, Dando and Guy. I also recommend a show that Nicola and I have just started watching on Apple TV in Australia. It's called it's called The Morning Show Overseas, but The Morning Wars here. Oh, with yeah. Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. We love it. Oh, okay then. I've not got, I've not watched any of it. It's got Steve Carell as a basically the first season is about the Me Too movement, and Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell are the hosts of a morning show, the most popular morning show in the in the in uh, America. Okay. It's host, it's filmed in New York. He gets done for sexual harassment. All different other stories coming out. He gets axed from the show. Reese Witherspoon gets brought in to replace him, and she's one of those uh, off the cuff kind of reporters that wants to get the, to the truth. Blah blah blah. Her and Jennifer Aniston clash. It's all about how they're trying to bring out the fact, bring out the truth of that the, the, the studio was covering up Steve Carell's character's sexual misconduct for all these years. And it's a really, really good story. And then we've just watched the first episode of season two. It's only just started. It seems it's going to be about trying to host a news program during the pandemic. There we go. Yeah. it's, it's it, was, it starts off season two with just various shots of New York City empty. Oh. And it is, it's scary. This is what really happened, man. There was no one on the streets. It's weird, man. But yeah, the, mo- the morning wars. I highly recommend it. So it can't be called. It's not called the morning show in Australia because that's what our actual news show yeah, is called. Morning show is called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the morning wars with uh, with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. It's a really good show. That's what I recommend. That's my lock of the week. Nicholas nice just walked in with uh, the monitor. There we go. So I now have Elliot. So if you hear any crying listeners, that is the little man. So let's get back to the episode. <laughs> By which he means me. <laughs> And my stubby fingers. <laughs> my busy hands. <laughs> Where were we up to? Uh, oh, Skinner's Skinner was going to sabotage. Yeah, he wants to broken. So he goes to see Bart at the arcade and he's playing Halloween Hit and Run. I heard Hit and Run and thought, is this a reference to Simpsons Hit and Run? But Simpsons Hit and Run didn't come out until the November of 2003. I thought, maybe it's not. But then I saw Skinner's line of, or heard Skinner's line, oh, this game's going to get some disapproving clucks. And I thought, is that their way of saying, hey, because that's, that's what you do in the game. You can run over people, blah, blah, blah. There's no mm. blood or anything, but you can run people over. I thought, is that their way of saying, oh, that Simpsons hit and run, that's going to get some disapproving clucks. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that wasn't what they're going for, but mm. who knows? Who knows? He then asks for Bart's help to sabotage Mrs. K's grand award ceremony, and he coaxes him with the fact that there was a teacher's pet sign on the, um, on the wall at Springfield Elementary. Why did he say Springfield Elementary? This was found on the wall of a Springfield mm. Elementary. It's like, couldn't you just said this was found at the, the wall? wall. Yeah. Or school. <laughs> anyway, so Bart then says the pro boner gag, which was just another whatever moment. Yeah, sub- substituting pro boner for pro boner was just like real entry level shit. <laughs> it just felt like, hey, isn't this isn't this Bart kid a little rebel? Yeah, you know, it just uh, hey, remember, remember Bart in nineteen ninety one? He's back in <laughs> unfunny form. <laughs> I'm getting angry. <laughs> Let's wrap when this up. We're now at the uh, the awards ceremony. Did you see the sign at the front? Tickets very available. You love your signs. Who will take home the Rampy, an award for the um, most wheelchair accessible school? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming all schools these days would be wheelchair accessible. It wouldn't be a novelty. One would we have little so, Richard, yeah. who actually makes a pretty good guest appearance here. I liked it. Little Richard uh, never gives less than 110%. Mm. Even yeah. when you're sort of asking yourself, why is Little Richard here? <laughs> little Richard. I love teachers. In fact, I'm a teacher. I taught Paul McCartney to go, Woo! Purple Rain! Shut up! <laughs> Michael Jackson just told me to shut up. We then get the students who nominated the teachers going to ask them a question, and he gets Bart to pretend that he can't read it, 
and immediately just goes, what have I done? Can't do it. Yeah. Little Richard, because uh, it's because, basically because Little Richard yells at Mrs. K. Mrs. K doesn't put up much of a fight here, does she? No, she's a bit of a doormat, and I don't like yeah. that uh, from Edna Kay. I think she, you know she she's, deserves, but she's just broken. And she, like she's just been broken over all the yeah. disappointment in her, in her years. Yeah, but uh, you know, as we said, Skinner says he's created Frankenstein. He interrupts, comes clean with what um with what he's done here. And but if Mrs. K can teach me to love, she can teach anything. He then proposes to her, which I completely forgot this happened. So when he proposed, I was like, "Oh shit, okay, I, yeah. I forgot that they were engaged." And little Richard gives him a ring because he couldn't afford one at this point. <laughs> And they're not, oh, Agnes here. Oh, great. Three in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> then the award gets given to Julio Estudiante. Estudiante. I think Estudiante. Since the show is running long, we'll just go ahead and name a winner. Julio Estudiante, an inner city math teacher who taught teenage gang members that differential equations are more powerful than bullets. What a rip! You should be ashamed. This is a bit of a riff on. You, uh, I think I've talked about the movie Stand and Deliver in the past. Maybe I can't recall. Okay, this was very big in the late eighties. For some reason, this this movie sort of came out of nowhere, starring Edward James Olmos, mm-hmm. uh, and based on a true story about. <laughs> it's basically what inspired the bit in South Park with "How do I reach these kids?" <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, he's like this very sort of nerdy, unassuming math guy who goes to teach in the, um, I think in the in the barrio in LA, and he's got this class full of gangbangers and kids who just don't know what to be. That's like, yo man, I don't want to learn maths. Sorry, that's very insensitive. Um, but you know, he uh, brings them around to his way of thinking, and a lot of them go into college as a result. And it, it became, you know, uh, almost got like an Oscar nomination. The movie that. No one really sort of anticipated made a shit ton of money. So, you know, anyway, there you go. So I think that's sort of what that's uh, what's that's inspired by. I just wanted to do the bit with how do I reach these kids? <laughs> you did a good job of it. <laughs> so finally, Edna and Skinner are happy. They're walking. They're engaged. You're going to check out the bit of tomorrow today. Homer gives his family the ha- their happy ending, and it's by breaking into Disney World. We get Mickey's voice telling him to get away from the fence. <laughs> get away from the fence. <laughs> and it's just weird scenes that the Simpsons take the piss out of Disney, now knowing yeah, that they yeah. would eventually be owned by Disney. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and Homer screams at the $14 churros, and then that's the end of the episode. Or so we think. We then get a really random meta gag to end the episode with Homer singing the song going off screen and Marge not following him because she's, she's on, on vacation. Vacation. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, I guess it's funny, but it just seemed like... Yeah. It, was, it was almost like it was a joke they wanted to include in the episode, but they couldn't fit a place in the episode to include it, so they just whacked it onto the end. I can't say I approved of it. I would, I would, uh, I would have cut it. <laughs> but one thing I wouldn't have cut was the guy who uh, sold home of the churro... Sound like wise guy to me. And I'm always happy when I hear wise guy. That'll be $14. Yes. <laughs> so all in all, special Edna, I didn't dislike it as much as you did. I actually, I, for the most part, I enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I don't know. Judging by the way you were talking about it in the, in the final the last third part, there. The last part was just like, yeah, I, it, was, it was losing me towards the end there. But I, I, I still just, I just enjoy Mrs. K as a, as a character. So it's hard for me to dislike a Mrs. K-centric episode. I like Mrs. K so much that I think she deserves a better episode than this one. But still, 
I was happy that uh, she was front and centre and that she did get her happy ending, albeit with Seymour the Wiener Skeener. What did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Um, that even, that when you get soap in your eyes, that burning feeling is love. It is indeed love. I just learned that every time I see a pile now, I'm going to think, oh, there's a hole out there just in fear of this thing. <laughs> it's never Pile v. Hole. Who wins that fight? Pile v. Hole. You could say that the hole could eat the pile, but or, or, or was the pile filling up the hole and, and smothering it? Penetrating it, if you will. <laughs> I think I might be team pile on this one. From this day forward, your names will be... It is the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 14 of The Simpsons. We have many a people on three points, many people on two points, and many a people on four points. I, I guess I'll read out the names. So we've got Nick Patterson, M. Kufos, Nora Coker, Becky Manners, and Michael Hiliaro on two points. Declan Phoenix, D.L. Gorman, Nick Patterson, James Proctor, and Garode Harrowhill all on three. And in first position on four, we have Phil Hawkins, Luke McKay, Steve Roberts, and Thalia, Talia, and Likes. Take it away. What have we got, Mr. Davis? Righto. One single point goes mm. to Jack Attack McCarthy with How do you like them crab apples? Very good. Very Didn't good indeed. It. Thought it was pretty good. Two points go to Slick Nick Patterson. Oh, Nick Patterson's just worked his way up to first position with the other four pointers. What's he got? Oh, nice work. He gave us bad Ednication. That's great. I like it. Yeah. But three points because this is a numbers game. It's quality and quantity, and it's from Philip Fly Like an Eagle Hawkins. <laughs> Just don't all seal and shit. <laughs> uh, he gave us three good uh, alternate yeah. titles, as far as I'm concerned, and they were Bart for Teacher. Mm-hmm. Winner, winner, Edna Skinner. Yeah, they do win, or Skinner wins at least, anyway. Yeah, That is correct. And um, in keeping with the special Edna uh, theme, Special K. Ooh. I do like Special K. I do like Mrs. K. It's a good title. So that's uh, Philip Hawkins gets three points for those three good titles. As, as Lenny would say, there ain't no bowl like a good bowl of Special K. <laughs> how are you going uh, to dispute Lenny? You're not going to. You can't do it. <laughs> so now we have an outright winner. So everyone who was on three points is leader. now in third. Leader. Yes, leader, leader, not winner, I should say, yes. Everyone who was on three points earlier, they're now all uh, in third position. Everyone who was on four points, who now, which now includes Nick Patterson, is now on in second position. And Phil Hawkins is on seven, outright leading at the moment on the Guy Davis New Name Championship. Don't forget, guys, if you want to be a part of this championship and uh, potentially earn yourself $100 cold hard cash, I think we did $200 last season, actually. You just got to go to patreon.com slash forfeit discount. Uh, sign up for just $1 per month and you get access to the Facebook group and you can join in in all the fun. But for now, Mr. Davis, it is time for some special Edna mailbag. Yeah. Jamile! Jamile is here! Ooh! All right, so first question here comes from Dave Abbott-Smith. He says, what's your favorite theme park? His are a toss-up between Questacon and Luna Park. What about you, Mr. Davis? When's the last time you went to a theme park? Quite some time ago, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember um, which ones I would have visited. I don't think I've been to many in Australia. Okay. Mine, by a long margin, was Universal Studios. I just had a fucking great time there. I could have lived there. Had the 
E.T. ride had the Simpsons world as well, but it's also joined on with a place called Islands of Adventure. It's like two separate theme parks in one. Uh, we also had the um, the Jurassic Park ride. You had the King Kong ride. There's the Harry Potter world. Uh, they had the Hulk ride, roller coaster, which was fantastic. Golly. I'm sure there was something else. There's the Men in Black ride, which is pretty fun. Um, it's just, it was just, it was my, when I go to a theme park, I like licensed things. Some people go to theme parks just for the thrill rides and just, yeah. as long as it's a good roller coaster, that's fine. I like it for it to be a themed thing, you know, like the Indi- Indiana Jones ride or something like that where okay. it's themed. So I know, oh, uh, uh, fucking the Mummy ride was also at Universal Studios as well. I love the Mummy ride. That's one of our favorites, Nicola and I, because we, we went on it. We had the fast passes. We went on it though when there was the parade was happening. So there was no line. So we just got to basically stay on the cart, just going over and over and over again. It was so much fun. The, the Mummy Ride was great. The Mummy Returns, I think it's called. Uh, what I liked the most about, not the most, but one of the things I liked about the Mummy Ride was at the end, it still had the old school square televisions with like the outro video <laughs> starring Brendan Fraser from like his prime. It was the oh, best. Listeners, you probably heard it in Dando's voice, but you could see you should see it in his face as well. Just the utter childlike joy in talking about these rides. Oh, <laughs> it's it's like he's... It's like he's Benjamin Button. He's just gone de-aged 10 years or something. It's like a little boy. It's yes. delightful. Universal Studios by far was my favourite. What about you? So did you go to... You went to Disney World. Yes, you said I have been to Disney World and Disneyland. Um, I liked them both. I mean, I don't think I'm a huge theme park guy in all honesty. But uh, look, I certainly... I, I, I remember enjoying the heck out of a Disney World when I was about 10 years old. I think that's when I went. Uh, really loved Space Mountain, the uh, the indoor roller coaster. And I'm look, I'm, I'm partial to a good roller coaster, and I'm trying to remember the, some of the best ones I've been on. Well, if, if, if you're in Australia, the best theme park, in my opinion, is Movie World because they've really pumped in a lot of money for some good rides now. So the Superman roller coaster is great. The Joker roller coaster is really great. Uh, used to have one called the Lethal Weapon, which is now called the Arkham Asylum, which I think maybe even been, okay. been pulled down now. But that one used to hurt your ears a lot. That was a, one of those coasters where you're you're hanging upside, you're not hanging upside, but you're hanging underneath the rail. Oh yeah, and you're sort of in a in a chair. But the Ooh. the cushions on the side of your ears used to bang your head every time you ran in the corner. So it was yeah, that one oh, really dear. hurt. But you had the, the you got you got yeah, your Wild Wild West ride and your Scooby Doo ride and things like that for the for the kids. But they're all <laughs> also good fun. But yeah. But yeah, Universal Studios for me in America and in Australia, it is uh, Movie World. But anyway, uh, next question comes from Brian Hughes. He says, what is your favorite TV car? He's partial to the Munsters T-Bucket or the General Lee because it's a bright orange Dodge Charger, not because of its racist uh, namesake. I bet Guy <laughs> liked the 60s Batmobile and Dando likes Kit. I actually quite like Kit, I've got to yeah. say. I think I think Kit's a sm- I think I'm more the Batmobile. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, we'll swap. Uh, I'll tell you what, Brian Hughes, what my uh, my favourite TV car actually is, and uh, I don't know, my, my shrink may have a few things to say about this, but if you're familiar with the cartoon series Wacky Races... I fucking, for some reason in my head, had Wacky Races, and it was, it was a Dick Dastardly's car? No, 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 I'm actually very big on Peter Perfect's Turbo Terrific, which okay. is... A, which is essentially a penis on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> there was a pop ride or a daub ride or something of, of those, all the Wacky Races cars once. They were great. I, I loved Wacky I, Races. I really that loved was, Wacky Races, yeah. Yeah, it was my one of my favourite cartoons growing up. I was really, really dug it. I really enjoyed the Hanna-Barbera era when I was a kid. Mm. Just uh, your Scooby-Doo's, your Flintstones, yeah, your Wacky Races, that kind of thing. Just, just fun, wholesome fun. Yeah. I mean, I'd be almost inclined to track down the box set of, uh, of Wacky Races cartoons and just, I don't know, 
have them on in the background one day when I was maybe lazing around, maybe my mood's a little enhanced by some substances. Who knows? But um, yeah, little wacky races on the background I think would be very good. But yeah, Peter Perfect and the Turbo Terrific, that's my car of choice. What about the Homer? I love it if only for the meme of Homer just sort of pointing at the board with that very serious. <laughs> <laughs> what an episode, man! Oh man, Danny DeVito just nailed Herb. Oh, <laughs> it's funny, so good. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Um, we'll do one more question. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Reese Roberts, all the way in New Zealand. He says, "So, what are your favorite pie fillings for him?" His personal favourite is buttered chicken. Wow, wait. Or butter bacon and egg. Chicken pot pie is a close second. I don't know. You can get buttered chicken pies. Do we have those kind of pies in, in Australia? Buttered chicken pies? I think you can, actually. Uh, okay. There's, you know how you go to the, um, well, the pastry section in the supermarket and they've got, you know, your box of four and twenties. I think there's the more upmarket, upmarket brand. It might be Herbert Adams. And yes, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, and I think they do like a butter chicken pie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've actually tried it. If I did, it wasn't that memorable. Uh, but he mentioned uh, our, our pal Reese mentions bacon and egg pie there. Old Margaret Mary, my mother, um, it was my birthday at the start of the month, and as is tradition on my birthday, I went over, you know, to have a cup of tea, a slice of cake, and she said, I made you a favourite, and she'd made me these little egg and bacon Savories. All the, all they're like is, little quiches or pies? They're like little quiches. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, this, they're, is, they're, this they're is not really fucking One of my favourite party foods, little egg and bacon quiches are the best. Oh, yeah. Although, I don't eat bacon anymore, so I just eat the egg ones. But still, continue. Yes. This is egg, bacon, onion, onion a little bit yep. of mustard powder in puff pastry. So good. Oh, my God. Oh, cheese, cheese as well? Oh, oh, yeah, a bit of cheese yeah, in there as yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think this might be the first or second time that Louise has seen me... Um, get a load of these because I was like, arr, 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 arr. <laughs> was like rub it up, uh, thanks for the grub. <laughs> I, I, I think we should see other people. <laughs> so, um, savory speaking, yeah, I'm a I'm a bacon and egg pie guy. Um, I did read a recipe the other day for chicken shawarma pie. Oh, okay, yeah, and which made me go, I might have to make chicken shawarma pie. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to savoury one, look, this is a very basic bitch of me, but I like a good apple pie. What are your thoughts on Macca's apple pies? I love them. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I'm, I'm a big fan of the um, of the Macca's pies. The pastry they use just seems to be legit, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Short, short story. Listeners, not- Guy mentioned the glee on my face before when I was talking about theme parks. Guy's face when he was about to describe his... <laughs> an apple pie it was just like he, he he couldn't speak for like three seconds because the smile was too wide on his face. <laughs> I'll admit it. I um I delivered in some Maccas the other day, and uh, opened the bag. I said, "Oh yeah, got this, got this." Hey, I only ordered one apple pie, and there's two. Oh mate, what a day! I know. Uh, I found a penny, penny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was. I honestly got looked back at the receipt and looked back at my order. And go, did I order two apple pies? No, I only ordered one, and they gave me one for free. Wow, wait. So I've got a couple of free apple pies from the Monopoly thing. You can have them if you want. Oh, for real? Mm. Oh, I love apple pies. <laughs> <laughs> but they also did like the um, the custard pie for a while, which was pretty good. Yeah. And they, I think they did a chocolate and custard one, which was okay. But nothing beats the original. 
the apple, the Macca's apple pie is bona fide. It's boss. Yes. When I was a kid, Macca's cookies were my favorite. I don't know if they still do the cookies. But I don't know if they do. I love Macca's cookies. And they were 50 cents a box. They were so good. Oh, th- they were really nice, weren't they? They had a... I'm not sure what the, uh, what the special, quote-unquote, special sauce was yeah. in the Macca's cookies. But they had... It was a bit cinnamony. But it was like, you know when you... You get like a teddy bear biscuit, right? And you dip it in like your nan's coffee and it just has, it just adds that extra flavour to it. Yes. They seem to have like that extra flavour without having to dip them in a coffee. Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily coffee flavoured. No, it was just, they tasted different. Yeah, no, really just, good yeah, stuff. They had cookie and cookie and just a plus. <laughs> you know, like there was one extra thing. I actually, because we, we got Maccas for Elliot recently and we're dri- I was driving past and I looked inside and I was like, when did Maccas become so sterile and non-fun. Like, mm. I used to go to Macca's and it was just, Ronald McDonald was there and he had fucking Grimace and Birdie and Hamburger and the, sh- the seats were shaped like hamburgers and stuff. I drive past and I'm like, this just looks like a Starbucks. This looks like an Ikea. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what What happened? Yeah, man. You changed, man. What happened to you, Ronald? Yeah, it used to be beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is our review of Special Edna. I hope you enjoyed it more than you enjoyed the episode. <laughs> Among other things. Actually, we, there was a thing here in the mailbag that said that they enjoyed the episode. Who was it from? Uh, Ian Ashley said, I actually really enjoyed this episode. I've never seen it before, which is the first time since I've been listening to the podcast that I didn't know an episode going into a review. That kind of links to my question, actually. How many of 706 episodes... How many? How many of, of, se- of the 706 episodes of, of the Of the 706, sorry, okay. Yeah. Episodes of The Simpsons do you think you've seen? I'd guess myself around the 500 mark. I'm also intrigued if any one of our members have seen all of them? That's actually a good question. Like, I wonder if there'd have to be people out there who have seen every episode of The Simpsons. Surely, okay. there's, there's got to be. Well, let's cut and paste that out of the in, out of the comment section here and yep. attribute it to Ian and put it into the patrons thing. Yeah, and well, I'll post and maybe it on the also main page on Twitter as well. As well. And if, if you are listening you don't follow, follow us on either of our feeds or whatever, Instagram, Twitter, whatever, just write in simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. If you've seen every episode of The Simpsons, I would love to hear from you and just hear your thoughts on how the series has evolved from the beginning to now and what makes you keep watching because a lot of people don't find the show funny anymore but is it just your love of the Simpsons? Is it just a, a comfort thing? Let us know. Simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you've got a question for us or just a, a message for us, like I said, Simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com is the best way to contact us. We'd love to hear from each and every one of you on a regular basis. Don't forget to please also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We do love reading the reviews that come through and check us five stars as well if you enjoy the show. Follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod, Instagram at Four Finger Discount, and you know if you enjoy the show and you do want to support us and get a bunch of exclusive content in return, as I mentioned time and time again, just join the family at Patreon.com/slash Four Finger Discount. Little as a dollar per month, you can support the show, help us buy new gear, which we've done recently, and you can get access to the Facebook group and join the rest of the community and just have a merry old time. Next week, we're going to be reviewing an episode called The Dad Who Knew Too Little, an episode that many of our patrons said is one of the best episodes of the season. And I'm not going to lie. I don't like lying to our listeners. I watched it last night. And after a somewhat shaky first few minutes, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. So The Dad Who Knew Too Little is next week's review here on Four Finger Discount. Don't forget to check out our other shows, Going Down to South Park, the one about friends and Talking Seinfeld. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for our amazing Four Finger Discount listeners? This podcast is ugly and wrong. Shh.